Famous philanthropists such as Steve Jobs or Princess Diana were always looking for ways to do good in the world. Maybe though what we really need is godly compassion in our everyday lives. So imagine what would happen in our homes, neighborhoods, and communities if we all began to reflect God's compassion with each other. Compassion's story would truly be all to God's glory. Hmm. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and I am so glad to have you joining us today as we jump into this installment of Feminology. Feminology is our series that we've been doing on the first Thursday of each month. We have been going back to the foundation of what the Bible says that women should, I don't know, act like, be like, how their women are supposed to be, biblical womanhood. Our world has definitely changed the way women are viewed, and we are not trying to create a new definition for being feminine or womanhood, but we are just trying to go back to what the Bible says and take a look at what being a woman looks like and how we can live that out to glorify God. So um, if you have not listened to all of our Feminology episodes, you may want to head back into our archives and listen to those. All of 2022, we had one on the first Thursday of each month, and then we started this year's focus on emotion. So that's kind of a big one for women is emotions. So this year we've been touching on all of those. We're going to touch on a new emotion today. Um, But before I jump into today's podcast, I want to pause and give you a little bit of exciting news. We're going to be sharing with you something really fun at the end of each episode. We're going to be sharing something that we're calling tiny tidbits. And what you might ask is a tiny tidbit. Well, um, it is just a small little piece of information that can help you in a really big way. You might call this a life hack or some little piece of advice that helps someone. Many of our listeners, um, I've asked them to join us, and so they're going to be um, sharing these, and you're going to hear a lot of new voices over the course of the next year. Sometimes the topic will fit in with the exact topic at hand that day that we're listening or we're going to record. And sometimes it'll just be a little more random. Some of the tidbits are going to be in the area of homemaking or mothering or something related to marriage or something related to the workforce, um, exercise, all these things. And they might be super spiritual or they might just be hyper practical ideas. Um, So you're going to want to stay tuned all the way through each episode to listen to these amazing little pieces of information, these tiny tidbits. They're going to be great. All right. We are ready to kick off and get started with our episode. This is episode number 151. And before I tell you about our topic of the day, I want to introduce you to my guest. Well, actually, before I even introduce you to our guest, I want to tell you a little story about my guest. She doesn't even know I'm going to do this. So I'm going to take you all the way back to my junior high years. And if you're listening and you're a woman and you've lived through junior high, I just want to congratulate you. That is a very hard time of life. (laughs) Junior high can be pretty rough. And my junior high years were not really fun. I had a great elementary, but um, I was really excited to join our youth group when I hit seventh grade. It was a really amazing, it was a bubbly, exciting youth group. I think we had 40 kids and really great leaders. Um, And my guest was in that youth group. And when I turned 13, I entered seventh grade and I got the chance to participate in this amazing experience. 
And I was really stoked. So I was so excited that I invited a girl from school to join me. Um, she was new to our school and she had come, she decided to come to our youth group and even her stepbrother came along with her. This girl did not grow up in a Christian home. She did not have Christian values. Um, she was your very typical junior high girl um, and had a little streak of mean in her, I will say. And um, for some reason, she uh, she liked to push away people that were around her. I think it was her way to protect herself. And so maybe I threatened her in some way. But anyway, she came to youth group and Pretty soon, the gossip mill went around, and um, all the friends that I had had in youth group, the girls that were my age, all of a sudden were not my friends anymore. And you, if you've ever been through this um, time period in life and you've dealt with social issues as a junior high girl, you all understand and remember. Um, so on a side note, it didn't last very long, but I kind of was alone during my seventh and eighth grade year. And I can remember many nights crying and feeling sad about it. And um, I can remember, um, you know, I felt disheartened. I felt like I wasn't valuable. You know, all those things junior high girls feel. A little side note is I actually know this girl now. Um, and I, well, I don't personally know her anymore. But the sad part is I know that her life is not following God at all. So my heart is very sad for her. And I've prayed for her as I've prepared for this episode. Um, but here's why I'm telling you this story, because there was this group of juniors and seniors in high school who were extremely kind to me, and they included me in things they were doing, um, and one of them is here in this room with me today, which is awesome. Um, I'm not 100% sure if um, my guest or these other girls knew what was going on or if they just were being kind and compassionate because they saw that I didn't have a lot of friends or, I don't know, maybe they just thought... Let's just include her. I don't know what they were thinking, but um, I remember going to the movies. I remember sitting with you guys at church um, and that I was allowed to hang out with you in your circle. You know how junior high and high school girls stand in circles all the time, you know? And I was included in that. And um, I, it's really cool because this guest of mine and I um, just kind of became friends again after she came. I saw her, what, maybe like five years ago, eight years ago? Yeah. And so I want to introduce you to my friend, Christy Ruff who I went to youth group with years and years ago, and you showed me great kindness during that time. Wow. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that story. Of course, I can share a quick one of my own. Um, high school years, uh, Julie's father was <laughs> the reason why I'm the nurse that ah. I am today. He taught anatomy and biology. biology. Yep. Yes. And he was yep. a great encouragement to me. Well, I'm glad. And... Um, it's really cool um, that you and I get to reconnect. And so it's really fun to have you in the studio today to talk about an important topic. And, and let me just stop here for a minute. I mentioned that we're going to put these um, really cool tiny tidbits at the end, but I'm just going to do my own tiny tidbit right now for a minute. And that is that if you are a young junior high girl right now and you are feeling those feelings that I felt, I just want to encourage you that God loves you and he knows where you are because he is omnipresent. He knows he's, he's everywhere. And he is omniscient. He knows our thoughts. He knows your thoughts before you even speak them. And he loves you. And I just encourage you to remember that. And um, if you are the girl in the youth group who is like my friend Christy here today, and you're the one that sees the girls, I, I think all high school girls need to look around 
and see the people who are standing against the wall, the people who are not included, um, and you need to include them in your circle. You know, actually, even adult women need to do this. Like, you know, come and join our circle. Like, it takes two sentences, you know. Hi, I'm Julie. Come join our circle. I just think that would help. So that's my tiny tidbit today. Um, That's my own personal one to share. Like, you know, look at people with a different set of eyes. And um, and we're actually interesting that I share this with you is because that's actually our topic today, isn't it, Christy? It is. We're going to talk all about compassion. Um, Christy, before we do that, though, like, who do you live with and what do you do all day? Oh, fun. Um, well, let's see. I am married. I've been married for eight years um, to Marty Ruff. Nice. Yes. Um, and he has... Two sons. Um, they're both out of the home right now. Okay, and um, we've added a new person into our home about five months ago. Um, his name is Caden, and he is a foster child that we're hoping to adopt. That is amazing. And so, did you? Is this something you've always had a passion for to do foster care or to do to adopt, or is this something that's come later in life? I would say that I've never birthed any of my own children. Okay. So okay. I have got stepchildren, godchildren, foster children. Um, that kind of explains part of the reason why I'm where I'm at. What I do all day is I also am a school nurse. Okay, so you have lots of children yeah, there. <laughs> so I have over 400 wow. um, kids in my school, but God's just given me a love for other people's kids. Yeah. I can't say necessarily when that started, but... That's a big reason why I went into nursing. That's awesome. So your days are busy. Very. Yeah. So I'm excited, Christy, to hear all about compassion because that's, mm-hmm. our, that's our emotion today. And I guess I, I'm curious if c- compassion even is an emotion. Huh, that's interesting. I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. Lay it on us, girl. What okay. do we got all about, com- about compassion? Well, I guess I wanted to start a little bit with um, kind of where you started with what it is that I do all day, um, because I do work in a, an inner city school. As I said, I have about 400 students, wow. um, including the group of kids that you just talked about. Uh, we have kids from preschool all the way up to eighth grade. So you got your elementary kids, your, high, your junior high kids. And as you said, that was a really, it's a tough time. Um, I've been a nurse there for about three years, and so uh, I I entered into school nursing at a wonderful time. That was when COVID hit. Um, (laughs) So that just made things really a challenge. Um, We had a lot of economic hardship. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of isolation because they did, you know, um, online schooling. It just was really hard for the kids, and you could see that play out in our community and the school that God had called me to serve. Um, when I started my role as a school nurse, the biggest distress that I saw initially was the kids were um, hungry and thirsty. Because they had mm. a concern of spreading COVID, uh, they shut off all the drinking fountains at school. Wow. Um, and so the kids, they were thirsty. Yeah. Um, they were to bring water bottles and stuff like that, but a lot of kids just forgot. I mean, these are, these are kids, young kids, mm-hmm. they forgot. So just provided lots and lots of water and then just started with crackers and pretzels. Can't tell you the number of crackers and pretzels I've gone through. <laughs> um, and as COVID just drug on, then I began to see the kids really getting more fearful. Um, I think there was quite a bit of um, civil unrest in, in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these children had family members that had died. Um, also the big fear that we saw with uh, 
risk with African-Americans, people who are overweight, diabetes. And this is really the population that I serve. And so a lot of kids just became fearful. So then I turned the focus um, of the clinic to be a place where kids could come and find some safety from Mm -hmm. being overwhelmed, just a safe place to come. Yes. um, When they were feeling really overwhelmed with their emotions. And as you can imagine, you know, the world got out, Nurse Christie here's a place to go. We can get food. We can get uh, love uh, and a comfortable place. And, you know, that sounds great. Had lots of opportunity to give compassion. Um, But uh, as the time went on, I really began to find myself completely just overwhelmed. I had kids everywhere. Um, Every day was just, and it still is, really busy. I didn't have time for lunch. Oftentimes didn't have time to go to the bathroom And what I found a lot of joy in doing initially, I began to get really irritated, snappy, Mm. um, was being beginning to feel like I was a failure, disconnected, um, really just didn't feel like I had anything else to give and really got to the point where I just didn't really want to give anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess I'd throw that out to you ladies that are listening as I I don't think I'm the only one that has felt like this. I'm not the only one that's had these feelings that um, you just begin to feel really overwhelmed. And if we're honest with ourselves, like I said, I think we all probably feel this way because it just, you know, if you got kids, it's just never ending. Mm-hmm. Somebody's yep. always wanting and needing something. Um, and it could be our children, our husband. It could be our aging parents, neighbors, friends, clients, students. I mean, the list really goes on. And as you said, um, I did get asked to talk about compassion. And to be honest with you, at first I was like, oh, yay, this should be really easy for me to do because I do this all day long. And it wasn't because I really, um, God really started working in my heart. Yeah, yeah. It's It's not easy to have something that you have to talk about. Usually God wants us to work on it then. Yeah, because I really, um, he just really brought up, and I'll talk about that as we go on a little bit more, just really the sin that was in that. So Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that as we go on. I think really the first thing we should do is just talk about what the definition of compassion is. All right. Good Um, old Miriam Webster. Oh, and I, for any of you guys that know me out there um, that I've been into Bible studies with, I love words. So (laughs) usually when we're sitting around the circle and there's a you know, a word that pops up, they usually say, hey, Christy, did you look this one up? (laughs) And usually I have. Um, So I enjoy words because they they carry a lot of meaning. Um, And we'll talk, obviously, a little bit more about that as we go on. But um, the definition of compassion, like you said, isn't just necessarily an emotion. Um, It is a sympathetic uh, pity or concern for the suffering and misfortunes of others. And like you said, good old Merriam-Webster um, defines compassion as a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Um, and dictionary.com defines compassion as a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. So like you said, compassion is not just necessarily an emotion or a feeling, but it also is connected to um, being compelled to action or mm. want to move to action. Um, then wanted to kind of see what the Bible says, because that's kind of what the, the world says. You know, we're just going to have sympathy yeah. and, and pity and that we might be moved to action. Um, this is, I guess, the part really that uh, for me, Julie, just kind of blew it out of the water when I okay. started doing some some searching about what it is that the Bible says um, about compassion. 
Uh, it is first mentioned in the Bible um, in Deuteronomy 13, 17, which says, Nothing from that which I put under the ban shall cling to your hand, in order that the Lord may turn from his burning anger and show mercy to you and have compassion on you, mm-hmm. make you increase just as he has sworn to your fathers. Hmm. And um, like I shared with you earlier, Julie, uh, just looking for this word, I stumbled upon a video that is was put together by um, J.C. Lovick, and he does what's called the living word in 3D. Um, and it's, I'm also a very visual person. Okay, okay. So I I'm love gonna, video, so yes. I would, yeah, recommend, I'm going to explain it, but he does it with pictures as okay. well as words, and okay. so it's really powerful. So let's let's make sure we put that in our show notes okay. so that women can go and look at that. It's Is it like a YouTube video kind yes. of thing? Okay, yep. perfect. So that's so, easy. Okay, yeah. great, great. I can kind of give you the link and go through it. But um, what Lovick points out is that ancient biblical Hebrew alphabet was more of a picture language and that each letter um, really depicted a picture and it had its own meaning. And the word compassion is composed of three letters, which paints a beautiful picture of what compassion is. The first letter is resh, which is pictured as a prince. And then the question is, is is the prince of heaven or is it the prince of the power of error, the illegitimate ruler of this world? Mm. Um, The second letter is chet, which is pictured as a fenced in garden, an inner room, which means to separate out or to provide protection, a refuge, a secure sanctuary. The third letter is mem, which is pictured as waters. And in this case, uh, the waters are that um, which bring chaos and destruction. Um, The other thing that was really interesting that he pointed out is if you take the first letter and the last letter of compassion, which is Rush and Mem, they picture or they paint a picture of the dark prince, the illegitimate ruler of this world that causes confusion, chaos, and death. So these two letters together actually make up the Hebrew word deceiver. Oh, wow. Which I just thought was really interesting. So then the next question is, is where is the compassion in the Hebrew word compassion? Um, And it lies in Chet, that middle letter of the word, the second letter, um, which lies between Resh and Mem. And left to themselves, mankind is on a path to death and destruction at the hand of the dark prince of this world. But God intervened, creating a safe sanctuary amidst the prince of darkness and his work of death and destruction in this world. That's that chat that's just wedged in there. Um, And who is the ultimate refuge and sanctuary? Mm. And it is Jesus. Mm. And he is what gives compassion its everlasting significance. Mm. Amen. So now we have a picture, one with Jesus standing in between the prince of darkness and the path of death and destruction. Um, And God has shown and continues to show us his ultimate compassion on mankind through the work that um, Christ accomplished on the cross and which is applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's quite the picture. Yeah, like I said, you got to check it out. I had to watch it numerous times because it's packed. He really packs Mm. a lot in a couple moments. Um, So we're going to just kind of look a little bit more at what the Bible says. That kind of gives us the definition of the word. Um, And again, just doing this search, uh, first, God is compassionate. 
And we read this over and over throughout the whole um, scriptures. It's, okay, we were told that God is compassionate God. He's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And we see that in several places throughout the scriptures. Um, Deuteronomy 4.31, which says, For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. Um, in Nehemiah seven or 9.17, it says, but you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. Joel 2.13 says, For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. And Jonah 4.2, which is one I really like. It's just funny. Jonah's a funny guy yeah. sometimes. Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarsus. I mean, Jonah left, you yep. know. Yep. This is why, for I knew that you are a gracious mm-hmm. and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and the one who relents concerning calamity. Yeah. yeah. And that really gives us such a great definition and a great picture of the compassion of God. Yeah, and that's where Jonah is, like, upset because God's going to show mercy and compassion on the people of Nineveh, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Instead of being thankful or being like, yay, he's, I don't know, I think, mm-hmm. I think I'm there sometimes. Yeah, which, um, in just sharing that verse, I could, there could be a whole conversation uh, yeah. about that. That's yeah. not necessarily where, where I, God led me in this talk, yeah. but I can, you know, so see that when, when God shows compassion to other people, yeah. we're angry about yeah. that, which is, whoo. Um, but really where I'd like to draw attention is the passage that's found in Psalms 103. I'm going to read verse 2 through 4, 8, 12 through 13. Um, and for those of you who do attend Christ the Word, mm-hmm. this is a passage that we did memorize together as a group. So it will sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who pardons all your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So again, and just going back to Lovick's definition, you can really see God, how he steps in for mm-hmm. us. Yes. Um, the second I looked at just um, where God has uh, ultimately displayed that compassion, which we see in the life, um, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, and and for, God, or for Jesus, when he was walking on the earth as fully man, we read in the Bible um, that Jesus was moved with compassion. And there's many places that we see that. Um, one such is in Mark 6.34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were without, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And also there's just so many passages when Jesus healed people. It was, he was moved com- with compassion and then he healed them. So not only having that emotion, but was moved to alleviate their distress at the time. We also learn about compassion through Jesus's teaching. Um, Two parables in particular is the Good Samaritan 
and also the prodigal son, which talks a lot about um, the compassion shown. And then lastly, I looked at um, that the Bible, uh, God has commanded us to be compassionate. Um, but Julie, what's really cool is God didn't leave us to do that all on our own. Mm. Um, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enables us to be compassionate. And we read in Colossians three twelve and through 13, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And God gives us this heart and an opportunity to practice it. Mm. Wow. I loved all the verses. Uh, we will put those verse references in our show notes too, because you may want to pull those out again and read through them. <clears throat> So kind of what we have so far is that God is compassionate. His compassion is ultimately displayed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are commanded to be compassionate. So the question is, is why do we struggle so much with doing compassion when we're faced with people in need? Um, so we're going to just kind of walk down a journey. Like I said, there's a couple different ways we could go. But this is really the road that God took me down. Um. And the source of most of our struggle with obedience is obviously sin. <laughs> right. Um, and so, the, you know, how does sin creep into this, compa- this um, emotion of compassion? And what the world would tell us is that we suffer from compassion fatigue. Um, yeah, what is compassion yeah. fatigue? I've not heard of that. Um, well, the, how they define compassion fatigue is it is an emotional or physical exhaustion that can attack helping professionals and caregivers over time. Um, And according to recent literature, there are three things that put a person at risk for developing compassion fatigue. Lack of resources, inadequate positive feedback, uh, appreciation or recognition, and how we respond to our own personal distress. Um, and so, Julie, if you were to Google com- compassion fatigue and read the list of symptoms, the world would say I was suffering from compassion fatigue mm. um, and that I had a legitimate reason for feeling and acting the way I was. But God sees it really different. Yes. That is always how it works, isn't it? <clears throat> and truly, sin can really creep into all aspects of how and why we do compassion Um, But like I said, I kind of wanted to share with you how I recognized um, my compassion fatigue symptoms and how it helped me see the sin. So it was really through recognizing how I was behaving through those symptoms that God was showing me this is sin. This is not an excuse for you Mm. to demand or any of those kinds of things. Um, And as I said in the beginning of our conversation, I am a school nurse of over 400 students. And on a typical day, my office can have anywhere between one and seven students, and they're all looking for something to make them feel better. Uh, Most of them that are there don't really know what it is that they need and want. They just want to feel better. And they have experienced some form of relief in the nurse's office before, so they're just coming back. Um, and this is what I face every moment of every day. And I was growing weary, and that's when the sin began to creep in. And when this is kind of where those places were, um, when I saw myself as the only resource rather than God being my ultimate resource. 
Hmm. So I, because I was just believing I was it, I began to, you know, believe it or not, ration my crackers, pretzels, and water. Um, hmm. I began to make judgments on who was worthy to re- receive something from Nurse Christie. And uh, I began to say harmful things, hurtful things like, you know, you've already been here once today. What do you want now? Hmm. Um, I began to see the children I work with as a threat to my resource. And I began to, to care more about preserving myself than serving mm-hmm. them. And I believed I had no more to give. And I really got to the point where I didn't want to give anymore. Um, also saw it creeping in uh, when I had a desire to alleviate my own personal distress rather than the distress of others. Um, I began to do the least amount of work to get the problem to go away uh, so I could get back to doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought of myself, um, thought to myself, like, oh, what can I do to get this kid out of my office and back to class? I found myself responding in anger and irritation. Um, and I also noticed this became much more intense when my husband and I began to foster a child that we were planning to adopt. Okay. So just had some extra... Yeah. Stresses going on at home. Yeah. And well, you were practicing compassion at home, too. Yeah. 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 You know, and the world kind of tells us, um, I've had conversations with people about it, um, you know, that you got to have margin and you got to protect yourself oh, right. and self-care. And that's not to say that those things aren't are bad. It's just right. when, right. you know, we go to them as our first go. And yes, yeah, yep. that was... Um, That's a whole nother podcast, (laughs) but yes, you're right. (laughs) That's yes. And actually we had um, at the women's conference recently, we had a really great speaker that talked about self-care. So I'm going to give a plug for that. You guys want to pull that up? That's another good place to go. Um, Sin also crept in when I was desiring my own glory rather than to glorify God. So I kind of began to tell my own compassion stories in hopes that I would get personal recognition. Mm. I was taking God's glory. Um, I became resentful and disconnected when I didn't get some kind of appreciation from the children, you know, for Mm -hmm. all the things that I had done for them and they needed to be grateful. Um, And I began to demand appreciation. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to pause for a minute because I just want to say, Christy, I found myself in a lot of what you just said. Mm -hmm. And I don't work full time in a school um, as a nurse. I'm not nurse, Julie. But wow, that's applicable in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Something we should all be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where are we struggling or where, is, where are we lacking compassion? Where are we letting ourselves become more important than the people that are in front of us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and we are commanded to be compassionate. And, you know, God didn't place conditions on how long or how often or what it would cost us. Um, and this kind of compassion isn't initiated by us. It, it comes from God who has forgiven us and has been gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness like we've talked about before. It also grows from a new heart which has been given to us and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, compassion's story is God's glory. Something my husband and I just kind of kept rolling over. Sometimes it's nice to have, when you said those little tidbits, it's kind of nice to have those little chunks of things that you can have stick in your head. And that was one that's really been sticking in my head. Um, So when we're trying to do Mm. compassion on our own, we're always going to fall short. We will become frustrated, angry, resentful, because we are most often seeking to alleviate our own distress or seeking our own glory. 
Therefore, um, we need to depend on God for the power through the Holy Spirit. Um, as Philippians 2.13 says, and he who works um, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Hmm. And that his good pleasure is his glory. So kind of like you said, you could see yourself in all of that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of, you know, look at this together. So when uh, you're faced with somebody in need over the next week, which um, I can't imagine there isn't any woman <laughs> that's right. listening, that it isn't a friend, a neighbor, right. uh, an aging, your you know, child, yep, yes. your kids, anybody. Um, so you need to ask yourself, how can I reflect compassion's story to God's glory? So I have just a couple different examples that we can do. Um, Remember, God is the source of all good things, including compassion, because he has shown you um, compassion, and there is blessing in giving. Hmm. Um, And again, as I was searching for verses to kind of support some of the things I felt like God was showing me, this one just kind of blew me out of the water. Um, So let's listen together. Uh, And you can read in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8. And each must do just as he purposes in his heart, not begrudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good work. Wow. I think that covers everything. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) I just loved all the alls, all the extremes yeah. just were really wow. Often we use that verse in regard to giving a tithe. That's interesting to think about it in regard to compassion. Because it just, for me, I just, you get, I'm tired. I was tired, but, you know, God gives us everything, all we need so that mm-hmm. we can do those good works, which is in, in my line of business. And I think homes and, you know, yep. compassion is just something we're called to do. Um, so, ladies, when, a, when at the end of the very exhausting week, you get that call, and you know what I'm talking about from <laughs> that person, you are faced with a choice. You can say to yourself, oh, what do they want now? Or you can lean into God's promise and answer with a cheerful and willing heart ready to serve. Mm. Also, next week will most likely be the same as last week. Your days will be filled with constant interruptions, and that could be from your coworker or from your children yelling, Mom, for the hundredth time. Again, you are faced with a choice. You can think to yourself, Oh, I just want to get this done and respond harshly. Or instead, you can see this person in need, not as an interruption, but as an opportunity to shine the light of God that he has put in you. In Matthew 5, 14, we are told that we are the light of the world. And when we shine the light of God's glory, we should not be put off when people come seeking. Our flesh will want to run away and hide. However, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And in his power, we will see our desire change from running away to running into the hard and difficult things. Hmm. Um, And lastly, instead of, and this is one of my favorites, um, this is really something that God's given me, and it's, it's been very powerful um, in my life. And instead of seeking your own glory, seek to glorify God. And there's just a number of ways that we can do that. Um, one of them is to point out the characteristics of God 
that you see in others, particularly those that you are called to serve like your boss or your spouse. Hmm. We are all made in God's image. Therefore, all people reflect, reflect his glory. Now, some people are very good at seeing and pointing out the reflection of God in others. However, this is a skill that we can all begin to cultivate. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This week, purpose to daily see the reflection of God in your boss or your spouse and let them know how much you appreciate that characteristic be specific. Hmm. This will be very awkward at first, but the more that you do it, the more natural it becomes. Hmm. And, and as I've shared, God has recently um, begun to transform my understanding of compassion. And when I say recently, I, I mean within the last several weeks as I've been preparing for this podcast, the Holy Spirit has opened my eyes to see that the major source of my compassion fatigue is my pride wanting God's glory. So mm. over the last several weeks, I've been um, starting to point out the characteristics of God that I see in the students that come in my office. I have shared with them the power that they have to affect others as they reflect those characteristics back on other people. And truly, I myself have been a beneficiary of seeing God in each of them, mm. which has radically changed how I see and treat them. Wow. Wow. Just what you expected me to ask you to come on a podcast, and mm -hmm. then it's like life-changing in many ways. Oh, it has. I mean, I can't even explain. It's just, and it's been neat because then I'm in a public school. And so this is just really a great way to share yeah. God, that the kids get excited to see that they have that inside of yeah. them and the power to share it with other people. Wow, that's amazing. I love your little phrase, Compassion story is God's glory. I feel like that should be like a bumper sticker or something that we can, or like, you know, that we put somewhere. We write it on a card and put it in our car or in our office or over our kitchen sink because I too struggle with the idea that when I'm becoming, uh, I'm not compassionate, incompassionate, uncompassionate. I don't know. I'm not That's compassionate. <laughs> when I'm not, it's because of my own pride that I want the glory for something. That's, that's really true and powerful. Also, okay, the final challenge I have is um, all these examples as, that I just talked about will take time and work. But we must remember that the chief end of man is to glorify God mm. and love him forever. So imagine what would happen in our homes, neighborhoods, and communities if we all began to reflect God's compassion with each other. Compassion's story would truly be all to God's glory. Mm, wow. Thank you so much for sharing about this. There's so many good things in there. Um, thank you for sharing. I think one thing that I heard, a couple things I heard that I think are really important to remember. Um, number one, your little phrase. What was your little phrase again? <laughs> Compassion's story is God's glory. And I love that it rhymes too, because we'll remember it, right? <laughs> yes, you got to make them snappy. Yes, it's a snappy little thing, but it's so powerful to mm -hmm. think about. I love that in some of your application, you encouraged us to, um, you know, to remember that every single person is made in God's image. Mm -hmm. And it's, and that means that it's, the, if it's the cashier, if it's the bank teller, if it's the school bus driver, if it's a little person in our lives, you know, a child, 
they're made in God's image and we are called to show them compassion and slow down, right? Mm -hmm. So we can do that. I also love that you talked about, well, kind of along with that lines, about the fact that um, when there's interruptions, instead of viewing those things as an interruption, viewing them as an opportunity, you Mm -hmm. use those words. And I think those Mm -hmm. are really good to remember. Instead of looking at these interruptions in our day, the people who irritate us or make us frustrated, but instead to look at them as an opportunity to point out what God is doing in their life and how we see God at work. That's really, really helpful. Something we need to start now. And sometimes I think what I struggle with that is, am I going to have time to do what I need to do later? And women, I understand that because, you know, a house doesn't run itself. Right. Um, But that's where faith in God being the source of everything for us. It is amazing. I always have time to get what I need to get done. Right. And really, it's also discussing what's really needed Mm -hmm. to get done. Because sometimes we want to do... We go True. back to the pride things. So we want to yeah. do all this extra stuff because it feels good. But yeah. Okay. Thank you, Christy, for coming on and sharing. I really appreciate your time and effort and planning and organizing. And man, you're you're a natural girl. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. Would you pray for us? I would love to. Um, dear Lord, we are just so thankful for um, your characteristic of compassion and your loving kindness that you've just lavished upon us, Lord. And We just pray that um, in the Holy Spirit that you will grow that in our hearts that we can turn around and just pour that out on other people. Just knowing that you will continue to fill us as we continue to pour out on other people. Um, Lord, bring uh, to light in the busy weeks that the interruptions are um, from you. And Lord, uh, to, to stop and pay attention to the people that you bring in our path. And just give us the patience and the words um, and the actions to show your love and compassion um, to be your hands and feet. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are thankful for all of this and um, most importantly, what it is you've done through your son, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbit. A tiny tidbit is a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's tiny tidbit is brought to you from Joan Sedley. Joan, I am so excited to hear your tiny tidbit. Thank you. Um, My tiny tidbit is about Giving Tuesday. Most of us have heard of Giving Tuesday, that Tuesday after Thanksgiving in which we are implored to donate various to various organizations or causes. In John 15, 13, Jesus tells his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. So I decided that I would institute my own Giving Tuesday of sorts. I'm not extraordinarily gifted in any particular way, (laughs) but I can give what I have, and that is of myself. Each Tuesday, I may bake a treat for someone, help a friend or a sister from church, do something extra for someone in my family, or invite someone that might need a friend to lunch or coffee. This is a manageable way that I can make sure that I'm regularly serving others. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I love it, and I love that that could be something that families could institute. They could could say, today is Giving Tuesday, and siblings could do that for each other. Right, and Tuesday just works for me. It could be any day of the week. Yeah, you could have Giving Saturday. That's right. (laughs) Thank you. That's a great tiny tidbit. Oh, thank you. 
Hey, thanks for listening. Join us next week for another episode of Unshaken. Next week, our topic is God's will. Should I buy a new car or is it God's will that I keep my old car even though it doesn't run well? Where should I go to college? What about a new job? I'd like one, but does God want me to take this new job? What should I do about schooling for my kids? Should I homeschool, private school, public school? Who should I marry? Where should I stop to get my venti white chocolate mocha with an extra shot of espresso and two pumps of sugar-free vanilla? Okay, we all know where to go to get that. But hey, listen, these are all questions that we have at different points in our life. So next week, we're going to visit this topic of God's will, and we're going to talk about what we can know about God's will and how we can actually know what God's will is for our life. I hope you'll join us for that. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.